Hey, Mandate 456 men, welcome to another podcast. I believe, John, we're on episode eight. Uh, as always, I'm excited, my my cohort here in life. Um, we're getting ready to go on a trip together to experience these wild courage guys. They're meeting in a barn in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, <laughs> around a campfire. And Jesus keeps walking in the room and blowing them up. And so John and I are going to head out there next week. Uh, January 9th in 2023. Now, welcome to the new year, by the way, on the podcast. Um, I loved our last one on mentoring. If you didn't get a chance to go listen to that, uh, we had a young guy, 20, he just turned 24, Brandon Munoz, on with us. And we just talked about what mentoring looks like in the generations. Hey, but John, I want to I wanna hit, um, we, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now because you went through a really specific story and I'm sure a lot of you guys saw, uh, if you were watching Monday Night Football, uh, the game between Cincinnati and the Bills, and they had to stop the game. I was literally, I've never seen anything like that. I don't know if you have, John. I know you're a fireman, and I know you got a lot to speak into this. But as a fire, an NFL fan, and sitting there and watching the whole stadium go quiet, watching the all the announcers, literally Adam Schefter was crying. And the ESPN guys start praying for him and the, and the players' faces. It, it's just, it was it was unbelievable. And I believe some of that has to do with how we deal with our trauma and what trauma looks like in our lives now. And so I just want to personally, just, just as we head out here, you know, I, I'm Generation X. I'm 56. My dad's a silent generation guy. He's 83, still alive. We are those generations, boomers, silent X. We didn't have the language for trauma. We didn't know you were traumatized or not traumatized. Um, you know, we were told to be seen and not heard. Um, you know, those kind of things. We were spanked, and I'm glad that I was. Now, he had a leather bat, and sometimes it was abuse. I mean, it would be considered full-on abuse in today's world, but I'm really happy <laughs> that I was raised the way I was, and my dad disciplined me. I spanked my kids up to a certain point, and then didn't uh, and stopped. And so I know that's this is huge issues, especially for millennials and, you know, the new generation coming up. But, you know, in my life, I was sexually abused um, by a very close family member when I was about eight. And I'm thank God I got up and ran and it didn't go too far. Um, that mm -hmm. should have traumatized me and probably did. Um, right. You know, all the broken bones I went through, the kind of the harsh religious father growing up that way. My first wife committed adultery many times, would move men in my marriage bed. Um, and I'd have to go sleep where the boys were sleeping. And I could hear her making love to other men and um, police were called and knives and guns and, and, you know, losing ministry, uh, losing businesses, um, having people betray you at deep, deep levels. I, I've been betrayed this past year at a very deep level. And it's like, where do you put all of this in life? You know, many of you guys listening have been um, radically sexually abused. And I want to encourage you, listen to the Wild Courage podcast, part one. We'll post it um, on, the, on the app. Um, but this man, he's a cowboy, and he was severely abused uh, for a lot of his life. And how he processed that as an adult, right? And so, John, I want you to share your story. Um, and again, I hope you guys hear me. I'm, I, I've got compassion for trauma. I don't understand how far we've taken it, but I deal with it all the time with the generation and my own kids. And so I have much, much more compassion for it. 
but I, I, I don't buy that it's got to be such a horrible thing either. I believe we can be healed from it. And we'll talk about that in the end. But share with us, you're a fireman, you're in Oklahoma City, you've run into burning buildings, you've seen horrible motorcycle crashes, you tend to like to tell me that because I ride my Harley. Um, and you, you, but the other day you experienced one that you'd never experienced before. Why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, you know, and obviously I'm just because of my own self-consciousness, I'm, I'm sitting in line to pick up my son from school. And so if yeah. you guys hear any talking in the background, it's because I, since I'm off duty, I'm up here with the, uh, the older folks that get early to the school. It's kind of my, my pride and joy. I can read and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, trauma, um, it's definitely a real thing. I mean, we actually have uh, medical, you know, practices that deal with trauma, level one trauma. They said that in the Bills game, you know, there there are certain hospitals that can deal with that kind of injury, those kind of things that that happen, you know, like, uh, you know, going beyond the Bills game and, and gun violence and in and, and fights and different things. You, you have sustained trauma. And like here in Oklahoma City, we have one hospital in the state that's a level one trauma center. And it's and basically what that means is they have every uh, ability to meet the needs that the body has. They have a neuro, they have cardio, um, and there's some other things that I'm missing in there. But they have all those doctors ready to go right. and they're ready to attend whatever the issue I, I, is. I watched that lady on ESPN talk about how that operation works when something like this happens it was pretty fascinating mm -hmm. like who's now it in is. control because of this happening right so yeah keep oh going. absolutely yeah well it it's in a lot of that stuff we we've learned from the military and you know i i never was in the military but you know those men and women i mean if they have experiences and stories that are crazy obviously insane. we've had experience with yeah, yeah insane um and so and they're truly traumatized and they truly have PTSD. They truly have to deal with this stuff. I was listening to a great podcast early this morning. Um, psychologists, scientists, you know, they're way smarter than you and I. We're not experts at any means. And you're even more of an expert because just because of your field and what you deal with on a daily basis. But they're talking about World War II and the differences of trauma from people who actually got a little blown up by a bomb or the people that were just far enough away where they didn't get blown up and the different ways these men coming back had to deal with the different levels of repressed trauma and all these different levels of trauma. And, and again, we didn't know the language necessarily as well as we do now to help those men. Uh, but yeah, so keep going. Cause this is really good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, you said it right. It is a real thing. Um, and an easy example of it is when you, when you experience, experience a trauma, whether you directly experience it, like your body physically experiences it or your heart, your soul, your spirit, uh, it, it's affecting obviously yourself. Uh, and the analogy with the bomb that's next to you, but doesn't actually affect you. When you have a trauma that affects your physical body, um, you have to deal with that because it is a physical injury. Like you, yeah. there's no way to escape the man or the woman that gets their leg blown off in Afghanistan. Right. Uh, there's no way to get around that. They have to see that over and over. Now there's mental sides to that. And so, but the PTSD or the trauma that we're talking about is the secondary stuff, the stuff on the outside. And, you know, before I dive into it, you know, John Eldridge, and I just, I just want to honor this guy. He wrote a book that I love listening to books um, on, on audio 
resilient. He just came out with it. It, it came out after uh, COVID. He released it, but he's talking about trauma. So if you guys want some deeper resources of really getting into the nuts and bolts, I would encourage the audio version because he does some meditative prayer stuff. Wow. And it, it's just really good. It's really Resi- good stuff. Resilient? I haven't read it yet, so I'll, I'll make it's, sure to do that. It's a good book. I mean, like I said, I listened to it because he knows some people that I know that I trust with my whole heart. And, um, and so I just trust him and he's had, you know, years of experience in that and seeing what PTSD does to people, you know, Um, but in my experience, um, the, the PTSD or the trauma that is associated with firemen is, is a slow trauma. It's over the course of time. You, You see things a lot and, I'll be honest, like a lot of things didn't bother me. You know, I, I was able to, to see and, and respond medically or, uh, to a, you know, whatever the, the, the emergency situation was and, and detached. But I had this one where, like we were talking about, you and I prayed through it. Um, just a couple of weeks just ago. Right before Christmas. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just right before Christmas, right before I was going, it was actually the day I was going off duty, uh, for my Christmas break. And, you know, not to share any names or anything like that uh, for, you know, their privacy and patient privacy and stuff like that. But I, you know, it was an accidental shooting and it was uh, somebody shot somebody in the home on accident. And, you know, they were young, they were a child and they were the same age as my child. Mm. And when you see things like that, it's, I was the officer in charge. And so I, I had some hands on with the patient, uh, but my, my sergeant and my corporal and my firefighter that were in that call, they were doing a lot of the hands-on stuff. And part of what I was doing is coaching them through, okay, this is the next thing that we have to check off. We, and not that it's rules and stuff, but when you see a trauma, especially to a young person, it affects us. And it, I mean, because we know, you know, inherently deep in our hearts that this young person hasn't lived long enough. It's not fair or whatever those, right. Yeah. Whatever you can put in there. Um, and so you're, all of that's hitting you all at the same time. I mean, you're, you're doing this, plus you have a job of how can we, is, is this life savable? Is it savable in this moment? And it was determined after about 15 minutes. I mean, we were doing what we could, but based on the extent and where the gunshot wound was, this, this young person wasn't going to survive this, this injury. And I actually had to make a, a phone call to a medical director, Mike, because, you know, everything is, you know, checks and balances. I, I have a field of practice that I have to stay in, and then I have to go to the higher field of practice that covers me uh, to make sure that we're doing everything possible. And, you know, when we ceased, you know, life giving support, when we ceased what we could do in the field, just sitting in that, thinking about the 20 minutes, I mean, it just, it just hit me, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was slow. It was kind of like, you just kind of go numb, kind of a general sense of numbness. Um, And not to go through every aspect, but I ended up leaving halfway through that day because I'd already scheduled to to take off. And, you know, I told my wife, but when I I got home, I just sobbed. you know, I didn't sob at work, but I just started sobbing because it, it's just, it's just tough seeing it. It's tough experiencing that there was nothing I could do to change the outcome of that call. Yeah. And I, and of course, as a Christian, that's how all the bills and all the bingo players felt and the refs and the coaches, you know, they say that they see their buddy. Now I had thought because it took so long that there must be a cut artery or some blood because 
their faces and they started weeping. I mean, these grown football player men, right? It's because they had no control. There's nothing they could do for their friend. And yeah. it was like the one, one I heard Diggs, I think, describe it as it was like being at a funeral and instantly, right? And so that for you and you're keeping, I, I appreciate how, you know, when you described it to me, it was, you know, so much more extreme than what you're saying on the podcast mm -hmm. is to protect people. And I appreciate that. But this was a huge, traumatic thing. And just some of the language being used and you having to coach these guys not to move this little person and all of that, then it just hits you, right? Yeah. You're just sitting yeah. with your wife and then, then what do you do with it? Well, you know, I, of course I'm praying, you know, as, as a Christian man, I, I immediately jump into, should I've started asking Jesus to heal this girl? You know, should I have put my hands on her? Um, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that, but, you know, should I put my hands on this person and, and see Jesus, you know, is this one of those moments? And so for me, you know, I'm, I'm also dealing with the physical thing that I saw plus now, you know, thinking on the spiritual side in my heart, should I have attempted something? I, I wasn't sensing anything. I wasn't feeling anything um, in the moment. So retrospectively being at home that night and then the next couple of days before we finally chit chatted, I, you know, and I had to tell somebody, I couldn't tell my wife because our kids, I don't want her to have those images in her head. Right. Cause there's already uh, some fear there and there's already some struggle. It was, there should be with every yeah. mom. And the craziness right, of the world right. right now, right? So you couldn't share the details, but then you called me and I'm like, oh God, buckle in, here we go. And it was, <laughs> you know, because it was it was rough. I was weeping on the phone with you. Um, yeah. So, and so that was part of you processing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so for you, was that seemed like it was a, a really healthy thing? to bring community in, to bring me in, to be able to really start processing. Cause you didn't really know where to put your emotions at this time yet. Is that fair to say? Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's really fair to say. It, it, what's weird about trauma is I know everything there is to know. I've gone through so many classes, uh, so many um, deals on, on how we speak, how we talk through, how we do our round tables with the, with the community of firemen. Uh, <clears throat> but when it's a specific trauma to you, you'll, you begin to notice that you're just kind of, and at least, and I think the Holy Spirit helped me with this. Uh, I begin to notice just how numb and how I couldn't unsee the image. Like in the morning, I saw it in the evening. I saw it whenever I was going to rest, I saw it. Yeah. And with everything that I I've walked through with John Smelter, um, when I get into rest, I know the father gives me rest. And so if that's sitting there, I know just from my experience that the father is not going to let this sit with me. I need to do something. So to answer your question, absolutely. It just took me four days to call you. It took me or however many days it was to sit into, I had to say out loud and I was saying it to myself, but I had to say it to somebody out loud what I saw. And then obviously that, you know, what we did in, 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 and I want you to, cause you, you say it better, but praying through the soul the spirit and the heart and how we hold this trauma so that the father can remove that, you know, that part that affects us. Uh, but then the other part that he uses to, to, to walk us out of this experience of living on this planet. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then how we, how we project that onto others in the midst of our trauma, 
right? So mm. one of my big struggles with, you know, being in discipleship places with honestly thousands of young people over the last 30 years, but specifically over the last six being living in Spain and the G42 leadership school and daily dealing with discipleship and trauma and kids past and all these things. Uh, it, it's again, it's why can't you just get over it? I was told my whole life, just get over it. Pain emotionally or physically is just weakness leaving the body. So grow up, right? What I realized in really working with millennials and now Gen Z's is that I wasn't taught properly. I didn't know how, where to put the trauma and the stuff that happened to me. At the same time, as men, as fathers, we have to walk people into healing. That's our role. We are the foundation of the world. We are the ones. I'm doing a King course right now, and I was taking my notes today. Men are going to be what changed this thing and shift it back when we step up as men, right? And that doesn't mean being fake about our trauma. It doesn't mean about our, our emotions. But what you're talking about, and my buddy Danny C. taught me best, his family was coming over, <coughs> excuse me, uh, to cook out with him on July 4th weekend. It's about eight or nine years ago. And he's out in the back cooking, all excited, ready for his family to be there. Gets a phone call. It's the police. And they say, is this Mr. C? And he knows something immediately. So he shifts into a little bit of prayer. And they said, your daughter, your son-in-law, and your three grandbabies are dead. They've been, they've been hit, hit a semi head on and they are, they're, they're dead. And he said, as he was passing out from that police officer making that statement to him, or, or paramedic, he literally said to the father as he was passing out, Father, please take this trauma, not in, don't let it hit my soul, let it hit my spirit. And he was out. And then as he and I processed that over the years, and he got into more and more healing, and then other really horrible things happened to this man, just unbelievable things. It's what he's learned is I take the trauma that's in my soul, where what's my soul, my will, my emotions, right? Where, where I'm emotional about what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've experienced. And I daily, if I have to, consistently pray, Father, move this into my spirit, man, because in my spirit, man, it can be redeemed. It can be healed and whole. And, and, you know, one of my favorite teachings from Richard Rohr is everything belongs. Our trauma belongs, guys. It really does. It's what we do with that trauma that, that, that changes everything one way or the other. We either anesthetize it by drinking too much, getting high too much, whatever those things are, going just going to porn so that we get those endorphins going, right? However, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. we sit in it, we learn from it, we own it, we bring community into it. Other men that we trust, women that we trust, which that's a small amount of people, right? We've got to get it out there because what is, I mean, first John one nine, you know, we confess and God instantly forgives us. But Matthew says, man, if I can talk to my brother about it and I can confess it there, then I'm healed. Right? So mm. if I don't know how to bring community into my trauma, it's going to sit in my emotions and I'm going to be traumatized by it for maybe the rest of my life. Right. Oh, if, I yeah. can, if I can get people involved that have gone before me that have been through some things and and they they can say, let's move this thing into your spirit. Let's pray together, which you and I did. And we we felt we felt an instant lift um, mm -hmm. when we prayed together. Not that it fixed it fully, although I believe God can heal you instantly and right on right. Right. All the time. Mm -hmm. But it lifted. Right. 
Speak to that. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is I'm sitting here listening and I, I'm recalling this. My wife, I love my wife to death. She's obviously been on here. Um, but yeah, it did. Li- in that scenario, it lifted. But the thing that the the Holy Spirit is reminding my heart right now over and over is I remember my my wife's uh, dad, George, uh, he passed away. Uh, he was uh so that's a whole nother story for another day, but he passed away way prematurely. Um, we had just gotten married. It was a couple years into our marriage and he passed away. And I remember sitting uh, with my wife in John Smelter's office and he said something to me. And this is what the Holy Spirit keeps prompting, prompting me in this conversation that we're having. And it's something that I do because I've, I learned through my wife um, and I learned through sitting in this, this room as, as we discussed this with John over and over is he said, you know, Hillary, you need to give yourself a year to experience the loss of your father. Mm. And he goes, and there's no, you don't have to move past that for a year. He goes, and not even that he was telling her to move past it. He was basically saying that we have summers, we have springs, we have winters and falls, holidays, birthdays, a random Wednesday or a random Sunday where something will trigger, like something will remind us of him or of, of specifically my wife of, of her dad. Yeah. <clears throat> and that freedom that came over her, that she didn't have to rebound and be a normal person within a few weeks. Uh, it, it was, a, it was incredible. See, to see that's what that I've learned. That's it. That's huge. And, mm. and I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think everybody grieves differently and they all hold their trauma differently. Um, the, the issue for me is, you know, all the triggers, like everything yeah. triggers everybody. And so everybody's either, you know, angry or sad or because they're being triggered all the time. And you know, the Lord spoke to David Reyes and I a few months ago on what would we do with untriggered being untriggered? What would we do if we could take those triggers and begin to allow the father to redeem those in his time and in our time, again, I'm not, and I think it can be instant. Um, but I know, again, even I just had this conversation with my oldest daughter at 32, things that trigger her and me just trying to help her process. Because again, life's about processing, right? We process salvation. We process who the father is. And we, you know, our mind and our heart change. You're reading Victoria's Victoria's eschatology right now, and it's changing you, right? I mean, I shipped <laughs> that book to you. I'm like, read this, right? It changes our thought process. Not that we have to agree with all, but my point in that is if I can just say to the father every day as I allow the father to father me, I want to be untriggered from these things that are triggering me to go drink, to go do this, to whatever that is, my anger, right? Father, let's begin to untrigger. And I, I want us to close. I know we're going a little bit long here today, but um, does that make sense? What does that say to you? Yeah, can I, I throw that? something in on that? Yeah, please. I'm totally interrupting you. No, no, you're good. I, I, I love it. You know, it's the, the triggering thing for me, the one of the things that I've noticed in this walk with Jesus and that I've, I've noticed in, in, in doing relationship with you and doing relationship, especially with my wife and my boys, yeah. um, we, we, we have that phrase that everybody's heard a million times going around the mountain again, and we're coming around this mountain. If, and I want to be so bold, but not as a man that knows, but just so bold to call into question if we're coming around a, and we're getting triggered all the time. And obviously the father is bringing something up that Jesus can walk us through. Yes. He can. And, and so that I do believe it's on the healing and I do believe, yeah, I do believe we're going to get that, but there's something amazing about the father wanting to walk us through. That's when people say, what is discipleship? 
in a, in a basic sense, the father is exposing something. And instead of pushing it away and, you know, going to whatever we use to anesthetize it, sitting like what you're saying, when you say sit in it, when I hear sit in it, that means, okay, father, I'm not going to necessarily get an answer today or maybe in a year. Right. But I understand that this is coming up. Okay. Father, teach me, give me eyes to see ears to hear how to, and, and what I've noticed in my life is when I started to do that, the healing came quicker. Yes. The, the ability to process. So this trauma that we talked about at the beginning of this, it did affect me and it still affects me, but I feel whole in my heart because I've allowed Jesus to walk me through as the father has led us through these things. And he doesn't leave me in that. That's man, guys, if, if, if there's anything I can give you is the father loves us so much that Jesus walks us through all of this. He does. He, he's not going to leave us in this. He, he even leads us, us. Into how to have a relationship with the father. I mean, it's, right. it's incredible. It's the only way to transformation so, is the pain mm-hmm. of trauma, the pain of life. If we sit in it, contemplation, we contemplate on why it's here. What is it trying to teach me, father? What are you walking me into? And God, I want healed from this, Right. I love all these guys that are, you know, like, I, I like, again, we're referencing Monday night football, you know, a whole ch- shit ton of atheists are on their knees ca- calling out to the father, right? The mm-hmm. whole stadium is crying and hugging Cincinnati Bengals, hugging Buffalo Bills, crying, praying together. Right. And I hear mm-hmm. these sports casters and all these dudes, right. We cry out to the father in our trauma and then we have to allow him to come and touch those things and and transform us instead of running from it instead of coming around that mountain again like you just said there's so much to this to unpack and again we're not the professionals but here's what i'd love you to do john for for just any any guy any any woman listening uh just pray that what god did in you through you even with this horrific thing you just walked through is really fresh and again not that you're all the way through it um, but there's a wholeness in you. I would love for you to pray that um, into us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, I, I love Jesus, how you've always, you always take time to, to deal with healing. You are the healer. And I mean, that's, that is a phrase used in, used in the scripture over and over about you. And mm-hmm. I have experienced it. Um, and I want, every man and, and woman and young and old listening to this to experience that. Um, so Lord, I'm asking that you'll, you'll begin to heal um, the soul, the spirit, the heart, how, how God, how, how father, how you made us and how we function uh, all aspects, we can receive healing and you're, you're, you're making that available to us. And I, so I, I speak that out. And if, if, if yes. people don't know how to do that, there's no formula. I just ask Jesus that you'll show up and begin to, to walk them through how that looks like. Just if somebody feels like somebody, something is sitting in their soul, Jesus begin to speak to them about their soul. What is the soul? Why is this sitting in my soul? Uh, if people don't even understand the difference between the spirit and the heart, Jesus, I ask that you begin to do that. You begin to yeah, show them fine. over and over how there's a difference in how you heal both and how you want us to have that healing so that we can function and stand on our feet and, and be what you were talking about in Matthew, where you said, you can love your enemies. You can pray for those who persecute you. You can give your cloak to the one that asked for it. That yeah. you can you can do this whole hospitality thing that we're reading about in the Bible. That's yeah. how it's possible. Is when we're healed, we can do this because we know that we're taken care of. That 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 we are yours and we trust you. 
Yes, Father. So, Lord, I, I just pray that out in the name of Jesus. I loosen yes, your healing over everybody that's listening, whether it's slow, fast, or somewhere in the middle. Lord, do mm-hmm. what you do, Jesus. I, I love do saying that. Jesus, do. do what you do. Yeah. Amen. And allow, help us to allow you to do it, right? Yes. All right, guys. Absolutely. Look, man, if you haven't joined the app yet, go join the app. Uh, jointhejourneyman.com. Um, you can watch this video or you can just do audio. We're on every platform, audio. Uh, on the app, we post both the video and the audio. And then on my personal Patreon is the video. Um, so dive into this. Ask us questions. Give us some feedback. Um, tell us some of your stories. We want to hear them. We want, we want to just walk through this stuff. And if you need somebody just to confess some trauma to that you just haven't been able to get rid of, you haven't been able to walk through it, Man, that's why we're here. That's This is what we're doing. And so, man, Johnny, I love doing this with you. I can't wait for Idaho next week. We're going to do a podcast <laughs> with Wild Courage, guys. I'll make sure and, and pl- post that link so you can get this guy's story. And then um, the book. Say the book one more time. Uh, Johnny. Uh, the, oh, oh, yeah. Resilient. Uh, what is it? Resilient. Resilient. It's, yep. it's re- yeah, resilient. I'll put that on there as well. All right, guys. God bless you, man. Have an incredible rest of your week, and we will see you soon. Thanks, John.